about being thankful, trying to focus. And, and um, you know, uh, brother, you have said you're thankful for your mom, others here talking about different family members and, and how that we are thankful for those that are in our life. And I, you know, I was thanking my wife and my daughters and, and my son-in-law and soon to be grandson, yes. <laughs> and I'm thinking of all these things that I'm thankful for. And I was thinking back when uh, uh, when my uh, girls were, were were small children, which seems like a lifetime ago, and uh, uh, there was a song that came to my memory, and I no, we're not going to sing it. But it was it was a a Veggie Tales song. Anybody remember Veggie Tales? Oh man, I loved Veggie Tales. You know, Bob the Tomato, Larry the Cucumber. I mean, come on, you know? this was good stuff. I mean, spiritual giants. <laughs> What's up? Oh, okay, we can't yeah. do that. <laughs> I just want to—I just want to read you the lyrics on this one song. It's, it, it just, you know, it's one of those things that, that there's a message to. It. It's called the thankful song, thankfulness song. So, thank God for this day, for the sun and the sky, for my mom and my dad. For my piece of apple pie, anybody <laughs> for a piece of pie? Yeah, yeah. For our home on the ground, for his love that's all around, that's why I say thanks every day. And this is the part, the chorus of this song is what really jumped out at me. It said, because a thankful heart is a happy heart. If you ever feel like you're going through a, a, a down day, Start giving God some things. Start thanking God for the things that you have. He says, I'm, I'm glad for what I have. That's an easy way to start. For the love that he shares, because he listens to my prayers, that's why I say thanks every day. And you know what? I have found that to be true. If, if I'm you know, going through a time where I just feel down, maybe it's just been a, a rough day and I'm like, huh? Anybody ever been there? It's okay to, to, to be there sometimes. We have those things. But when we do, we don't have to stay there. We can begin to thank God and say, you know what? I may be going through some trials. I may have some hard times, but I'm still blessed. I still have things that I can thank God for. There's still good things in my life. And God, it doesn't matter where I am right now. I can still thank you. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes. All right, now I'll get off of that detail. Maybe I'll revisit that later on this afternoon. <laughs> I do want to say welcome to our, our guests that we have, uh, Troy and Pam Brown. Good to have you here with us today. Amen. Just to feel at home and just worship God and just let God... Have his way in your life. Amen. Amen. It's good to have you with us today. From Ontario? Wow. Man, I tell you, that was a long drive to church. That was, that was intentional. Uh, hopefully you, uh, you are enjoying some, some good weather now that the rain has passed. Not that rain's bad, but you know. Okay. All right, all right. We're going to get into the Word of the Lord. 
And um, I want to uh, just take a few minutes today and just talk to us about being thankful for Jesus. Is there anybody here that you're thankful for Jesus? I'm going to read a, a passage, and it's several verses, so just bear with me. I want to read through these scriptures um, out of John chapter 3. And no, I'm not talking about Nicodemus. Um, I want to begin in verse 22, and uh, I'm going to continue on through the end here. Um, John chapter 3, beginning verse 22, says, And after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea. And there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing near this other town. <laughs> because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. And can we say thank God that thank you know, you. not been cast into prison? <laughs> Then there arose question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth. And no man receiveth his testimony. He that receiveth, or he that hath received his testimony, hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and have given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now, out of those verses, I'm going to preach to you today with the help of the Lord a message about being thankful for Jesus. Amen. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in this place, God. We are just thankful, God. Lord, our hearts are overjoyed today, God, just to be in your presence. Lord, to have the opportunity to come together, to worship you, to learn of you, and to, to be just be with you, God, and to receive the things that you have for us, God. Lord, we're asking you today, God, anoint this word today, God. Lord, anoint my lips as I yield myself to you today, God. Lord, speak to us, minister to us, meet the needs that are in this place today, God. We give you praise and thanks, and we ask all of this 
in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Why don't you greet someone around you as you're seated today? must-read chapter of the Bible. There's some uh, some very important points in there. And there, really, there are four prominent musts that are written and talked about in John chapter 3. Number one, the sinner must, verse 7 says, you must be born again. The saviors must. In verse 14, Scripture says, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. In verse 30, it gives us the master's must. He must increase. And then in that same verse, it gives us the servant's must. And that is, I must decrease. So there's four musts in that chapter. Some things that scripture says must happen, must take place. It's a very, um, it's a very interesting chapter. As I said, it begins with, with, with Nicodemus and goes through that and then the words of Jesus and it, it, it just kind of moves on through. But today, I want to pick up in, in verse, uh, uh, <clears throat> verse 25 and just kind of talk about what's going on here. Talk about the scriptures and, and see if we can gain some understanding and some enlightenment in our mind today. Verse 25 talks about John's disciples and the Jews that uh, I like the way the, uh, the the scripture portrays it. It says there was a, a, a question that arose. A question arose between some of his disciples and the Jews. I think it was probably more than just a, a question. I, I think maybe they, they started out, it started with a question, and then it, it kind of went into a, a discussion, and, and maybe even went a little further, and maybe even got a little heated about this um, discussion of this question. <laughs> because it was about purification and versus baptism. John, of course, was there. He was baptizing. He had been baptizing people. And his followers, they understood baptism. And so they were talking to these Jews, and the Jews were disputing with them, questioning with them about, uh, about purification because the Jews, of course, had purification rituals, uh, ritualistic uh, bathing and, and cleansing processes that they would go through. Old Testament stuff, stuff that had been uh, that had been taught by the law, and also things that had been uh, had been implemented by man. Purification things, and so they were they were debating back and forth. Well, you know, is baptism, you know, is it is it good or or is is purification 
rituals or those things good. And so they're having this discussion. Evidently, they couldn't come to a, a consensus among themselves. And so um, they, they went to John. John's disciples went to, went to him. And um, it's interesting what they did. Because uh, it says that they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bear witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. They went to John and, and started telling on Jesus. They, they went there and said, hey, you know that man that, that, you know, that was with you and, and, you know, the one that you baptized. You know, the one that you bear witness of, you, you talked about. Now he's baptizing people and, and people are leaving us and going there. And, and they thought that this was really going to trouble John. They, they really felt like, oh, John's going to, you know, it's going to stir him up. He's going to go and, and confront Jesus and say, hey, what are you doing? Didn't work out that way. John answered in verse 27 and told him, said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. So I, I, I can't do anything unless God gives me something to do. And he said, he said, ye yourselves bear, uh, bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. I'm just the one that comes before him. I'm sent before him. I've been given a mission. And my mission is to go and to prepare the way for that one that was to come. I've been doing that. And guess what? That one that is to come has come on the scene. And so now... I don't have anything left to do. Mm. I've prepared the way. That's yes. right. Amen. And he began to give them this, this, this beautiful picture of the, the, the Jewish custom of the, the wedding. And he began to talk about who is the bride and who is the bridegroom and, and the role of the friend of the bridegroom. See, the friend of the bridegroom was the one that would make all the arrangements. He would make the arrangements for, for the, the, the location and the wedding uh, party and the ceremony and all of those things. And when the bridegroom would come and he began to hear his voice, everything was already set in order. All that was left was for the bridegroom to come and join his bride and go into what he had prepared for him. At that point, the, the friend of the bridegroom was relieved of his duties. And, and the things just went the way they were supposed to be because it had all been prepared. Yes. And John was telling his disciples here through this beautiful image that they would have fully understood. He was telling them, listen, I've done what God asked me to do. I came to prepare the way for the Messiah. Yes. And the Messiah has come. Yes. And so I, I've done my, my part. Yes. And so now he's going to increase and I'm going to decrease. Yes. I'm going to back out of the scene now and he's going to come to the forefront and all that God has planned is going to take place. Yes. Amen. What a beautiful image there. And, and what a what an example to us of the right uh, the, the the right role of someone 
you know, listen, when I get up here to preach, it's not about me. Uh, you know, if I just got up here and preached what I wanted to preach, it wouldn't be anointed and it wouldn't be what you need to hear. But I'm, a, I'm just a messenger. I can tell you that I do not get behind this pulpit. I, I never get behind this pulpit and preach to you something that Mark has come up with. I, I, I told God at the very beginning of my ministry, I'll be a mouthpiece, but you have to give me the message. And in our, in our walk with God and our work for God, we have to remember that, listen, we're, we're the servant and he's the master. I, I serve him. Yes. I, I serve at his pleasure. Amen. And I don't question what God wants me to speak and what God directs me into because he's the master and he knows. Amen. I don't know. I don't know the, the, the secret things in your life. I don't know the hidden things. All I know is what I see. That's right. Oh, but God sees all. That's right. And God knows what we need in our hearts. The, the, the way that He can pull from His Word and just hand it to you so yes. beautifully. Oh, thank God that He is that involved in our life, that He looks at us and he knows what he what he is going to deliver to you because that's what you have need of. Yes. Amen. 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 Oh, thank God. Amen. If we drop down to verse uh, verse thirty one through thirty four, uh, those scriptures begin to speak about. Uh, about Jesus specifically. And um, it begins to talk about how that he, you know, that, that, well, let me, let me read to you. He that cometh from above is above all, and he that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that comes from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, he testifies, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that receiveth his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. So what, he, what the scripture is telling us here is that, listen, I'm a man. If I come and talk to you, I'm just telling you what I see. I can only, you know, try to reach the needs that I know about. But Jesus, he's not, he's not just a man. He's God incarnate. He's God robed in flesh. Amen. And so all those things that, that I have no knowledge of, He knows. Amen. And so He can speak to those things. That's right. Man doesn't know what tomorrow holds, but God knows the beginning from the end. And the end from the beginning. He knows the, the, the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. He knows our minds. He knows the, the desires of our heart. God knows all of those things. And so Jesus was able to speak to those things that man can't speak to. Amen. Where John fell short, Jesus had no shortcomings because he had all of that that he knew. Yes. Amen. 
sorry. <laughs> and something in my eye there. Um, then he began to talk about how that there are people that would receive and there were people that wouldn't receive. says, no man receiveth his testimony. But then the next verse says, he that receiveth his testimony has set to a seal that God is true. <clears throat> Listen, it takes help from God for us to be able to receive God's testimony. Because it takes faith Amen. to receive that. That's right. Without faith, we can't receive the testimony of Jesus. That's right. Without faith in his word, Knowing that, that the Bible is God's word, knowing that the, the, the scriptures are infallible and that the plans and the things that are written in those words are going to come to pass. Without us believing and, and receiving those things, we can't build on that foundation and, and see what God is doing. But if we will look at the scriptures and we begin to build on those, then, then we can see those things. Right. We can understand those things. You know, Jesus was not just a mere man, but he was God robed in flesh, and he was from above. That's why Jesus could speak things about heaven. He could speak things uh, about the, the future, things that would take place. That's right. It's because he was not here of earth. And so the limitations... That, that men have, God did not have those limitations. Jesus being God robed in flesh, he didn't have those limitations that's right. either. That's right. Amen. That's, that's a beautiful uh, thing that is talked about in verse 34. It says, For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Have you ever thought about that and what that means? No limits on him. See, before this time, you always had men, humanity, that the Spirit of God would move on. In the Old Testament, you had prophets that the Spirit would move on, and they would have insight for a moment, in part, a, a specific word, a specific knowledge, a specific, you know, instance that God would give them knowledge about and have them address in some way, whether it was a, a message, whether it was a, a you know a, a word to someone, wh whatever it was, but they didn't have that knowledge on their own. See, in, in, the, in the Old Testament and up to this point, there was no one that walked this earth that had full knowledge. Amen. They only had it in part. Right. But when Jesus came to earth, the, the writer here is saying, listen, Jesus is not like any other prophet. Yeah, that's right. Because there were Jews that said, oh, well, he's a prophet. Right. No, 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 he's not just a prophet. That's right. Amen. I, I, I know, the, the, you know the, the times that the Lord has used me in a, in a prophetic role. I, I know that there were some things that God would kind of download into my mind or, or speak to me about or cause me to know some, some specific things. And, you know, when I would go to deliver those things, that's all I knew. If people would ask questions, I would be, I don't know. 
You have to talk to God. He's the only one that knows that. I'm telling you what I know. Oh, but see, with Jesus, he had no limitations. And so when, you, when, when people would come to Jesus, he would begin to, to teach them. He would begin to expound on those things. He would be teaching. And the disciples would come to him afterwards and say, well, what did you mean by that? And Jesus didn't look at them and go, I don't know, that's, that's what I have, you know. It's just that. No, he looked at them, he began to expound the word. He began to pull from the Old Testament and the writings there, and he began to bring those in. He began to talk about things to come. Right. These right. will be the signs. Right. You know, he, he began to tell them uh, things because he was not a mere man. That's right. That's right. And so that brings us up to verse 35. And verse 35 is, is a, a very important verse in this chapter. It says, The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. Mm. Mm. Now, verse 36 tells us, well, uh, let, 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 me, let me address 35 first. Mm -hmm. Because There's, there, there's some important things in understanding that God has given all things into Jesus' hands. Here's what one writer uh, spoke, uh, uh, addresses, one way he addressed it. said, con concerning the power and authority he invest, uh, invested with, uh, which gives him the preeminence above all others and a more excellent name than they. He is the beloved son of the father. The father loveth the son. The prophets were faithful as servants, but Christ is a son. See, the prophets were employed, if you will, as servants. Go tell this. Go do this. Go say this. Yes. Go to this place. They were servants. But Christ is a beloved son. Always his delight. The Father was well pleased in him, and not only he did love him, but he doth love him. He continued his love to him, even when he was being humiliated. Even when he was in poverty and suffering. God never stopped loving his son, Jesus. And he is Lord of all. Father has given all things into his hand. Father took such a, a complacency and had such a confidence in him that he constituted him with great trust for mankind. Having given him the spirit without measure, he gave him all things. For he was hereby qualified to be master and manager of all. He, he, he loved Jesus enough that he gave him all power. Now, do you think that the God of all creation would entrust all of his power to a mere man? No. Absolutely not. It was only because it was God robed in flesh. He was not entrusting all of this into a mere mortal. God actually took on the form of man. 
And that's why there is all power in Jesus Christ. So all power is explained. All the works of creation were put under his feet. All the affairs of redemption were put into his hand. He was the Lord of all. That means that angels are his servants. Angels do not serve us as mankind. I've talked to you before. We do not command angels. They are God's servants. God commands them. I can pray and ask God to send an angel or to, you know, to send angels or, or, you know, I, I can ask God for help, but I can't command the angels. So the angels are his servants. The devil is his captive, or the devils are his captives. He has power over all flesh. The heathen were given him for his inheritance. The kingdom of God is committed to his administration. He has power to settle the terms of the covenant of peace as a great plenipotentiary. I love saying that. (laughs) To govern his church as the great lawgiver. To dispense divine favors as the great, here's one for you, almoner. Anybody here know what an almoner is? <laughs> I had to look it up. I was like, I've not heard that word. What's an almoner? That's a good guess. I, I thought about almonds myself. <laughs> it's the first three letters, all. And so it was the one that was put in charge of dispensing the alms to the needy. That was given as one of Jesus's to bless people, to to give to those that are in need. (laughs) And to call all to account as the great judge. Listen, all power, all of God's power resides in Jesus Christ. And not not only all of his power, but all grace is given into his hand. All things, all those good things which God intended to give to children, eternal life, he has that power. (laughs) All of these things. So we see that the writer takes what he has built upon here and he wraps all of this up in verse 36. In that one verse, he says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So now, let me address quickly that there is a difference in believing in and believing on. Believing in someone or something is to to think or to agree that someone or something exists. It's not enough for us to say, yes, Jesus existed. No, that's not enough. History tells us that he existed. That's right. There's historical records that prove that, yes, there was a man named Jesus that lived at that time, that dwelled in those areas. So, yes, that would be Jesus. But we have to believe on him. 
And to believe on means to accept implicitly that one as an object of religious trust or obedience. In other words, to have faith in them. Yes. We, have to, we have to believe in them and allow that, 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 that faith that, they have, that he has given to us to cause us to believe on him, which will move us to obedience. Yes, yes. Amen. Oh, it's yes. not enough to say, yes, there is a God. I want to know his name, yes. and I want to know what he instructed me yes. to do. Yes. And thank God that we have that ability. God did not leave us clueless. That's right. But God said, listen, I'm going to reveal my name. I'm going to reveal my plan, my will. I'm going to tell you what happens at the end time. I'm going to tell you how to make sure you get to the, to the good place and avoid the bad place. Yes. Right. Amen. I, I'm going to tell you how to live. I'm going to tell you how to act. I'm going to talk to you about what pleases me in holiness, what things displease me. Yes. That's right. Amen. Yes. I'm going I'm to talk to you and give you, give you information that will help you to live a right life. Amen. That's right. And it's that believing on that causes us to be able to be pleasing. Yes. Amen. Yes. Another writer wrote about, uh, about believing on and believing in. He, he began to address the, uh, the, 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 the state of all true Christians. He that believes on the Son have everlasting life. See, it's the character of every true Christian that he believes on the Son of God. Not only believes in Him, not only, but we've got to believe that what He said is true. Consistent to Him, and we have to be willing to confide in him. Amen. That's right. Why, why is it that we have to be willing to confide in him? Because that's part of us being truthful with him and having a relationship <coughs> with him. Amen. Let, let me just kind of talk to you for a moment. Listen, if, if, you are, uh, if you're in a marriage relationship and there are lies between you and your spouse, it's in danger. That's right. The Bible talks about our relationship with God as being a bride and a, uh, and a bride, a bride and a bridegroom. He talks about it as that marriage relationship, and there needs to be truth and openness and honesty right. in that relationship. I, I need to have a relationship with God. Number one, knowing that He already knows my thoughts. Yes, that's right. He yes. sees me at every moment. Yes. And I need to be open enough and willing enough to say, yes, God. Amen. Yes, I, I, you know, I, I do have this fear. Yes, I am worried about this. Yes, God, I, I do need your help in this situation. Yes. Amen, amen. It's okay to need God's help. Yes. It's okay not to be perfect, but to need God to help you to be more perfect. Yes. 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 Now, I'll tell you what, we must be filled with a room full of perfect people because there's only a couple of people that agree that it's okay. I'm one of those ones that I'm not perfect. 
I need God's help. Yeah. And, and there are times where, where man, my, my spirit, my attitude, just, it just ain't right. And, and, and I've got to go to God and say, yeah, you know, I, I really messed up on that, God. You know, I, I, I even felt you nudging me during that time, and I disregarded it, God, because my flesh wanted to, you know, just act on its own. And thank God none of you ever do that. Perfect. <laughs> but I have to deal with that. And I've got to go to God during those, uh, after those times and say, God, first of all, I, I repent about that. And God, I need you to help me. Because yes. you know what? I'm going to face that again. And I'm gonna have, I, I want to prove to you that I can, that I can be right in that. Mm. So help me, God. Yes. Mm. It's important. That we are open with God. Yes. The other thing the writer said is that true believers even now have everlasting life. Not only shall they have it hereafter, but they have it now. Do you know that you have everlasting life? If you're here today, you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you already have everlasting life. Yes, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I like the way he put this. He said they have very good security for it. The deed by which it passeth, passeth, that's a hard word to say, passeth, is sealed and delivered to them. And so they have it. It's put into their hands, guardian for them, so they have it, but you don't have the use of it yet. That's right. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in his name, then yes, you have eternal life. And it's in God's hands. Yes. yes. And He's holding it for you. Yes. It just hasn't been transferred to you yet. To where you possess it. You have the Son of God. You have life in Him. You have the Spirit of God. And so you have the earnest portion of that inheritance. We do possess the earnest portion of the inheritance. We have a blessed life. We have a good life. We have favor in this life. But we don't have eternal life yet. We haven't <laughs> obtained it yet. But we do have a very good foretaste of what it's going to be like. Yes. Yes. And we have the presence of God yes. that is leading us and directing us so that we one day obtain that eternal life. Amen. Oh, I tell you, it's, it's a wonderful thing that we have. Yes. You know, it's amazing when, when we start talking about Jesus and how that God gave him all power. Do you realize that he entrusted this man Jesus, God robed in flesh, with the power of salvation? Yes. Now, he would not give the greatest gift, the, the very purpose of all, all, all of his plans. 
was to bring salvation to man. He would not give that to someone else, but he's keeping that for himself because he doesn't want that messed up. That's right. For someone to say that, oh, well, you know, it was his son, it was a, just a man, it was this or that. I know the Bible talks about it being his son. It was God robed in flesh. There's a, a, a way of differentiating. There's a way for our minds to be able to comprehend what's going on here. Amen. Amen. It's not a second person or a third person. It's God. Amen. Amen. And he, he gives us very explicit understanding in Acts chapter 4. He says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none under other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Yes, amen. So I can't call on the title of God because there's a name whereby we must be saved. Yes, that's right. And I've got to call his name. It's through that name. It's through the power that is in his name. It is through the excuse me. It's through the power that is in His name. It is through the act that Jesus did for you and I. Through coming to earth, being born of a virgin. Offering Himself as that sacrifice. Being crucified. Going into the grave. Dying and rising again for you and I. Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yes, that's Amen. Right. Amen. 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 